We are continuing a series in Ephesians called A Better Way of Living. And I don't know about you, but I really, really need the Holy Spirit to help me in this time that we're in right now. Kids are back at school. Uh, things are just going haywire. Last week, we, we uh, continued the series, and we talked about winning the battle. And boy, it was a battle to, to kind of collaborate on the message. And then, and then the week, uh, this week was so much fun with the kids starting school and getting the phone call uh, the first day of school that my son uh, had uh, a fever and a headache and body aches. And I'm like, you know, now, now normally that's, that's, the soap, that's just typical kids. Now it's like, oh my gosh, hazmat suits, we're going to die, you know. And so, and then uh, we made it through that day. It was just, I don't know what it was. He was on, only had fever for an hour. And so I'm like, whoo, man, that was just a fluke. Next day, my son Corbin passes out. Uh, vomits everywhere on the playground. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. The first two days of school, the Buckle kids are doing uh, whatever they're doing. I don't know, but <laughs> so we, you know, got the rapid COVID test. They were all negative, and uh, Corbin was just dehydrated. But how many of you, since last week, when we just opened Pandora's box about this spiritual battle, how many of you have just constantly felt like you're dealing with some kind of battle, some kind of struggle. It could be, you know, and look, it doesn't matter how somebody's like, I'm, I didn't have a bad week like that. It doesn't matter. Me having a worse week than dude doesn't negate your bad week. So it's okay. Everyone has some kind of difficult uh, situation in their life. That's all part of the battle that we talked about last week. So this morning, I want to start by asking you a question. Have you ever had someone do something wrong to you? Like, yeah, this morning, on the way to church. You know, it doesn't feel good when people hurt you or, or call you names or whether it's at work or at home or when someone just wrongs you. It doesn't, it doesn't feel great at all. It's not very life-giving. But what if you found out that that person had been plotting against you? Like, they were intentionally trying to hurt you. Like, they were getting into your skin, like, like trying to understand who you were so that they could intentionally hurt you. Isn't that, wouldn't that be crazy? Wouldn't that be horrible? I mean, it's bad enough to get hurt on accident, but to get hurt on purpose is crazy. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, we talked about last week. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Schemes. You know what schemes is? It's plotting. It's planning. It's intentionally trying to hurt you. The devil, listen, is plotting against us. He's scheming against us. He knows all about us. He knows what gets to us. He's not um, omnipotent, omnipresent. He's not everywhere like God, but he knows. He's got his little minions running around trying to do that. Can I tell you this morning that Satan is a jerk? Okay, I'm going to say God is good, but I'm going to say Satan is a jerk. And he schemes against us. So he schemes and he plans and he plots ways to harm us, to attack us, especially when you're the most vulnerable. He comes at us. But you know, God, through the Apostle Paul and his writings in Ephesians that we've been looking at, he gives us two things. He gives us his foreknowledge. So we have this understanding of what's going to happen, like recording the Saints game 
and then knowing the score, that's fun. You know, you have this foreknowledge of what's going to happen, so you can bear it a little bit better when the interception happens, even though we, we know we win the game. It's the same thing. We have this foreknowledge and understanding of his schemes and his plans and what he's trying to do. And the second thing we have are tools to win the fight. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. We're going to read verses 10 through 15. If you have your Bibles or your smartphones or you can look at the screen, we're going to read out of the New Living Translation. It says this, Finally, after all the things we just talked about the past couple of weeks, be strong in the Lord and in, the might, in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of, of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, again, put on the full armor of God so that when, not if, the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand, there it is again, your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Whenever you start talking about weapons to fight the jerk, he's going to start messing. He's going to start messing with your mind and, and your hearts this morning. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, help all of us to open our hearts and our minds to be equipped and ready for the battle that is happening all around us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, the apostle here, Apostle Paul here, repeats often, stand and stand firm, plant yourself, be unmovable. And let me tell you, one of the easiest ways for the enemy to succeed in shaking us loose from standing firm is to tempt us with, with worry, which leads to anxiety. So many people are anxious today. When we carry this anxiousness and this worry with us, it robs us of that peace and that security. And so Paul is saying here, he's saying, don't worry. He's saying, look, stand firm. Don't get all shook up by everything happening around you. He's telling them this because he's reminding them that the battle that they're facing is, is different than any other battle. Look, he says, he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against each other. It's not against your spouse. It's not against your neighbor. It's not against your coworker or your children or, or your friends, but it is ultimately, look, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Sounds like Lord of the Rings, but it's not. It's real. We are in an invisible war with Satan. And he's a jerk. <laughs> Look, here's what we need to understand. Paul repeatedly tries to tell us that everything visible that we see and everything physical is preceded by something invisible and spiritual. And so if we want to address the, the physical and the, the visible issues, we got to identify the invisible spiritual causes, the root of all this stuff that's going on around us because much of what's going on in our lives has little to do 
with what we're actually seeing and experiencing. You ever had that when you're fighting this battle and you say, why is this happening? Why am I uh, gr so grumpy? Why am I acting this way? Ne never rule out. Again, like I said last week, we give the devil too much credit sometimes, or the opposite, we don't give him any credit at all. There is a real spiritual battle. You know, it is so easy to love Jesus when there are no attacks on us, right? <laughs> when everything is peachy. But what do you do when things aren't going well? In verse 13, he says this. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when, not if, the day of evil comes. What the heck is the day of evil? <laughs> the life of evil, man. He says that in there. It's interesting. This is the day when all hell breaks loose in your life. Not figuratively, literally. <laughs> in this war that we're in. It's a day when your number has come up. And all these spiritual forces that we talked about last week have decided to come after you to attack you. And look, there's a difference between war and being uh, under siege. Because war could be happening, but you may not be directly affected yet. That's what a siege is, is when you are under direct attack from the enemy. And see, the evil day is when the, the enemy has decided to launch an all-out offensive attack against you and your family and, and those you love and to break up your marriage. To, to discourage you and your dreams and your vision that God placed in your heart from long ago or even recently. To unravel your finances and make you, you just getting dead and all these different things. It's the day of assault. And look, nothing will prove where we stand spiritually more than how we respond to that evil day. And so knowing all this, like understanding this and knowing there's an invisible war that we face, we have to be battle ready. And Paul says here, what we need to do. He says it twice. He says, put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. And Paul uses this, this metaphor of armor because back then, these Roman soldiers were walking around with all this armor and equipment on. And so it was something that people could relate to. They could, when he's describing it, he's like, oh yeah, I've seen that. I understand what that is. And so he did that to be relatable. And some of you are thinking right now, man, whoa, that's uncomfortable. I mean, putting on all that stuff in South Louisiana, I mean, that's hot. It's got to be awkward, you know? Put on the armor of God. Jeez. How many of you are current or former baseball players? All right, all right. Current or former? Okay. So I was, I mean, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I was, I was good. I, I was a good baseball player back when I was younger in little itty-bitty league. But, I mean, I was good. And so, you know, I find it interesting that the coach always picks the worst possible player to play catcher. <laughs> Sorry if you played catcher. So anyway, one time um, uh, he chose me to play catcher. Some of you may get that. Some of you may get that later on. <laughs> I was good <laughs> anyway. And so I remember. I mean, how do you remember when you're little or, or sitting in the stands watching that little dude put on the? And they always pick the littlest dude, you know. And putting on the shin guards and the chest pad and then that gigantic helmet that's like wobbling over your head and 
and you're taking forever to put it on, and everybody in the stands is watching you like, oh, look at that cute little boy. And the other team's like, hurry up, dude, come on. And then you're like a, a penguin going to home plate. Like you can't even walk. You know, you're like going, and then the coach is like, bend down, and you're like, are you kidding me? You know, and so you squat down, and, and all of that seems unnecessary, and all of that seems you know, to weigh on you and to be uncomfortable until what? Until the ball hits you. <laughs> and then you're like, I love equipment. I love all this stuff. I'm going I'm to put this stuff on all the time. Right? You don't, you don't think you need it until you need it. <laughs> and so having all this gear, this, this armor is about being proactive so you don't get hit and knocked out of the game. Remember, we want to be proactive against the enemy's schemes, against all those things that he throws at us. And so we have to be prepared for the battle, even if it's difficult, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's weighing us down. A lot of people don't want to do some of the things necessary because it takes discipline and time, and we'd rather sit on the couch and and eat a lot of Oreos. Which are good, but I mean, come on. Eventually, they're going to destroy you. So we have to prepare ourselves properly. So what is it? Come, you, you growing up in church, you heard the armor of God. You probably sang a song. I didn't grow up in church. I don't know. And you got these pictures of it. But what is it really? What does it mean to us today? What's the armor of God? Again, Ephesians 6, 12, it says clearly that our conflict is with Satan and is spiritual. So we're not talking about going out and getting your Glock and your bow and arrow and and these tangible physical weapons. That's not going to do you any good in the the evil day. What he's saying here is all of our physical plans and weapons will fail. We need spiritual weapons. And so this morning, we're going to begin, and over the next couple of weeks, we'll continue this. We're going to look at three of those pieces of armor. The first one is the belt of truth. The belt of truth. A guy by the name of David Chadwick said this. He said, the first piece of armor is the belt of truth. Truth, by its very definition, is exclusive. It means something is true and other things are lies. The evil one is the father of lies. Every lie finds its origin in him. Every other piece of the full armor of God is attached to the belt of truth. If you don't begin with it, You'll never defeat the enemy. And Jesus said, God's word is true. It's a great quote. You know, I often don't wear a belt. And you can tell when I'm doing this constantly, you know. It's really embarrassing at the store. It just takes too much effort to put that belt on, man. And, um, I mean, I'm already buckle. Can you delete that part? Thank you. But this belt is different. This belt, it, it, this belt that the soldiers wore didn't just hold up one thing. It holds up everything. All the other pieces of equipment were relying on this one piece of equipment. Now, the original language actually gets a little bit more specific than the belt we have today. It actually says, gird your loins. We don't say that because I don't know anybody around here that girds their loins. <laughs> but it simply refers to the back area and the front area. I'll just be respectful and say that. And these, in ancient days, these men would wear these long robes, and what they would do is it would get in the way of their work or their fighting, so they would gird their loins. They would tie it up so it would be unhindered 
from the fight. In order to fight unhindered, they would gird their loins. And you can't fight this spiritual battle unhindered without truth. You can't. You can try to fight, but if you don't have this first thing, the truth, you're in trouble. And I'm going to tell you, truth is under attack now more than ever. And you, those of you who've been in church all your time, you're like, man, I've heard that before. But you didn't have Facebook before. You didn't have the worldwide lies. <laughs> the WWL. Oops, I didn't say that. That was just a coincidence. You didn't have all those things. But what is truth? Pilate even said that. What is truth? Truth is an absolute standard by which reality is measured. The truth is simply God's view on any subject. Everybody has an opinion on every subject, but it's God's view on a subject that matters. What happens too often is people begin to use man's view, and it sounds close to the truth, and then they arrive at the truth based on that, and when that inevitably leads to failure, they wonder, and they discount God. We have to start with God's version of truth, and truth is more than just feelings, because what happens with feelings? Feelings fluctuate all the time. Truth is also more than just facts. See, listen to this. You can have facts, but not truth. You can have a fact and not truth. You know, you know how, let me give you an example. I have a massive headache, right? That's a fact. I, I have a massive headache. So I'm going to go to Walgreens or wherever, and I'm going to buy Tylenol. I take the Tylenol, my headache doesn't go away. And so after a series of events, I finally just go to the doctor and I get a brain scan and I find out that I have a tumor. And that's, what, that's why the Tylenol is not helping me get rid of the headache. See, the person that goes and does this and finds out they're a tumor, they were trying to treat a fact, headache. I got a headache without knowing the whole truth, tumor. And that's how it's tricky. And that's how the enemy tricks us. It, it, it can be so tricky. That's why we need God's truth to lead us into all understanding. And it's not just, listen, it's not just the truth that sets you free. It's the truth that you know that sets you free. Because listen, the Bible says you will what? Know the truth. And when you know the truth, then it will set you free. Just because it's truth don't mean it's going to set you free. If it's true, but you don't know it, you are still in bondage. Let me give you an example. The Emancipation Proclamation was signed by President Lincoln in January of 1863. The slaves in Texas were not told until June 19, 1865. So the information, the fact of the signing was not passed on. So it was true that slaves were set free, but in Texas, they didn't know it. They discovered two and a half years later about a truth that had been initiated much earlier. So they lived in bondage unnecessarily because they did not know the truth. You understand? See, the reason that this is critical in spiritual warfare is because our enemy is a liar. And his lies are filled with deception. 
He's a deceiver. And, and he gets so close to the truth. You could have a hundred things. And if one of those things is, is not true, then it makes the whole thing not true. And he, that's what he does. He tries to get so close. In John 8, 84, Jesus talks about the devil when he says he lies and he speaks his native language, which is lying. For he is a liar and the father of all lies. So to battle in spiritual warfare, we need God's truth, not anyone else's, because Satan can use others to deceive and divide and confuse and destroy us. Where do we find God's truth? It's not going to be this new secret weapon. We find God's truth the way God wanted us to find it, and that is in God's Word. That's where the truth is. That's why this has to be so important. There has to be a standard. Otherwise, we could just do what we want and, and guess and hope that, hope that we're right. Satan is crafty, and his truth oftentimes mirrors God's, and it gives us a little bit of confusion. For example, God is love, right? We, we, we understand that, and his love is, is for the whole world, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and his love, and it's truth, and he loves everyone and then Satan tries to, 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 to morph that a little bit and said, so, so basically everyone is loved and everyone can receive this salvation and, and be okay. You don't have to change. You don't have to do anything. And that, 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 that's just so close to truth. I seen recently a Facebook post where they had a sheep that was wrapped in, an, in a rainbow uh, blanket or something. And it was on a cliff and Jesus is leaning down saying, I promise you, you don't have to change. You don't have to do anything. Just come on. I'm going to save you. And that's a nice thought. And that's true. God loves anyone. You don't have to, to, to change to become a Christian. You change once you are one because that's what God does. He tells you to remove that old self. He tells you to repent of your whole way. He tells you. But Satan says, no, no, no. And, and he deceives us. And where are people getting this truth if they're not getting it from the Word? Where are people getting these deceptive lies from? The truth that you know will set you free. We have to know God's truth in order to live it out and then buckle that thing around your waist so that you're free to fight the battle unhindered. Imagine trying to fight an invisible war without knowing the truth. You ever had an argument with an atheist, a super smart one? we got to know God's word. And all these other pieces of armor that we're going to discuss, hang on this one critical piece, the belt. Second thing, the breastplate of righteousness. We, the the breath, <laughs> breastplate of righteousness in place. I mean, righteousness simply is the act of continually doing what is right based on that truth. The problem is that this particular piece of equipment is heavy and it's uncomfortable and, and, and it gets in the way. It's hard to move around when we have it on. But you know what? The breastplate was super important for a warrior because it protected his heart. It guarded his heart and all of his vital organs. And so it was important. And without the breastplate, they were exposed where it matters most. What's the connection between truth and righteousness? Well, truth is a standard. And once you know the standard, you know what is right and wrong. And if we know what the truth is, we can make continual righteous decisions. Righteousness is tied to truth. See, the enemy's goal is to derail the train of your behavior off the tracks of God's truth. 
We should affirm God's standard, the truth, and then align our behavior with his standard, not anyone else's. And we get that from the word. In the movie, The Inception, with Leonardo DiCaprio, he could go into the dream world, to like the fourth power. He can go into the dreams of the dreams of the dream of the dream. And so he had a trouble figuring out what was real and what was the dream, what was reality and what was dream. So he came up with this plan to get a top. And so he would spin the top, and he would say if the top kept spinning continually, he knew he was in the dream. But if the top fell over, he knew he was in reality. In other words, he needed an objective standard outside of himself to tell him what reality really was. He couldn't bank on himself to know what reality is. See, righteousness deals with being able to make right decisions that are God-honoring. And can I tell you today that we simply cannot bank on ourselves to make right decisions? Christy, you can make your way up here. We need an objective standard outside of ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit's working in our lives in order to be able to do that. In Psalm 143, 8-10, it says, Show me the way I should go. For you I entrust my life. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will. If you are my God, may your good spirit lead me on level ground. You may have the greatest talents and weapons to fight the enemy, but if you don't have some protection, you are left vulnerable. We need our heart protected by being righteous. Unrighteousness is the enemy's invitation for demonic influence in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit to chip away at everything that doesn't look like Jesus in us. That's the outside source that we need. Finally, the gospel of peace. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Verse 15. The Roman soldiers' shoes were very important in battle. They were important. They had spikes in them so that they could stand firm and not be moved in the fight. But it also helped them to go in places where the enemy would try to go because they knew not anybody could just go and find them and fight them. So the Romans made these shoes to be able to go in these tough terrains and to be able to travel long distances without their feet hurting so much so they could go miles in these particular shoes. See, shoes are meant for feet that move, that actually go places. When you come home at the end of the day and you kick off your shoes, you are done moving for the day. Right? (laughs) Spreading the gospel message, the gospel of peace, is difficult work. It is. Wherever you try, there's bound to be a devil around every corner when you try to do that, which is why he wants us to keep us at bay with our shoes off, sitting down on the couch watching Netflix all day long. He wants to distract us from moving, doing that. Having your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace will help you go through the difficult terrains in life. and It will help you go the extra mile. 
And I know sometimes it's scary to share your faith. I know sometimes that you fear rejection or you're just fearful or you have this lack of confidence in you, whatever it may be. It can paralyze you, but these are just obstacles of spiritual warfare that the enemy is placing in front of you so you won't go into war. Because, because think about it. This piece of armor here, the shoes, are what moves us into the battle. Not out of it. The other pieces of armor are useless unless you are willing to move into the battle. You're safe for the enemy if you're not sharing your faith. You're not a target. Just keep those shoes off. Put that shield down. Take off that belt. And life may get easy for a time, but man, you are left so vulnerable when he comes in and sneaks in and tries to destroy you and your family and everything because you just put it all aside. I want you to stand with me for a moment. I want you to imagine in your mind's eye that you walk into this arena with zero equipment and you walk into this arena arena and there's this ferocious lion waiting to devour you i'm gonna go out on a limb here and i'm gonna say you're probably gonna lose that battle <laughs> you're probably gonna get eaten alive i don't care how fast you are when those gates shut and you're in that circle you're done the only two ways to win that battle is number one, go in the arena prepared. Have all the equipment on. Have all the weapons and the skill ready. Don't wait for trouble to come to you. Be prepared. The only other way to win that battle in the arena is never stepping in it in the first place. That's it. We can't wait for those moments. I often had, I had an athlete when I was a chaplain of the football team at Nickel State who would go to Bible study, and then the next few days he would go get drunk and smoke pot and, and, and sleep around and do all these things. And, and in the Bible study, he would tell us all. And the other guys are like, what's wrong with you, man? We're talking about Jesus. One second, you're living the devil for that. He said, because I refuse to prepare myself. I wait until I'm in that club and ask, hey, man, you want some weed? You want some drink? You want some what? Before I decide what I'm going to do. He said, I, the only way I'm going to win is if I start making the decision in my mind. If I'm offered, here's what I'm going to do. I won't go in this area. I won't respond this way. He has to be prepared. He has to think about all the ways he's attacked. And he has to have a battle plan. You can't just go through life hoping, well, I read the Bible and go to church, so it's all good. I'll be safe. You have to be prepared. Do you have the belt of truth? Do you have the breastplate of righteousness? And are your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace? Remember, we don't have to go through this battle alone.